Freedom HealthWorks is the direct primary care accelerator. We help doctors across the country start fresh in direct primary care. With Freedom HealthWorks, you work with a team, not a checklist. Visit FreedomHealthWorks.com and together we can achieve true freedom in direct care. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. I am your host, Christopher Habig, CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. Today, we're talking to Lydia Zeller, the CEO of Keo, a digital therapeutics company. And Lydia and her company are doing some pretty amazing stuff in the realm of musculoskeletal care. And one of the things uh, I'm very excited to talk about is the fact that Lydia and her team view virtual care as really a part of the future of medical care, not necessarily a replacement, like we hear from a lot of other digital health companies out there. Lydia, welcome to the show. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. Thank you so much. Great to be here, Chris. Now, we mentioned that Keo is a company, a digital therapeutics company, you call it focused on changing the paradigm of musculoskeletal care. And we were digging in a little bit about that when we we're going over the show notes. And one thing that I mentioned, you know, in, in the introduction that really sticks with me is the fact that we see eye to eye on the fact that, you know, virtual care or I hate when some people call it tele- telehealth or telemedicine, but more about that later, is a great supplement to really enhance access and lower the cost of care, not necessarily replace the hands-on medical approach. So tell us a little bit about what your team is doing at Kia. Absolutely. So uh, we are, as you said, a, a digital solution for musculoskeletal. What we are doing is on-demand, digital first, using software to guide people through uh, care pathways specific to their subset of pain within each joint. But this is not virtualizing one-to-one clinical care. This is not a replacement for clinical care. Uh, and in fact, during our screening process, so these are questions that, uh, that folks answer right when they begin to engage with Keo. we are looking at medical risks, behavioral health risks, subset of pain, gathering baselines. And when appropriate, we will refer individuals out into the uh, network of care uh, for their particular system. So we play nicely within that ecosystem, and we view ourselves as part of the continuum of care across the spectrum for people. So diving a little bit into what you said, playing within the ecosystem, give us kind of your ideal scenario when a client of yours calls you up and says, hey, Lydia, I want to engage with Keo. What do we do? How does it work? Yes. So, so we are offered both through health insurance companies and through uh, self-funded employers to theirs as a covered benefit. Keo runs an awareness campaign in that population to let people know that they have Keo available. And people use Keo in many, many different ways. So it may be that they are trying to prevent musculoskeletal pain. They've had flare-ups in the past and they're trying to keep themselves in a good state to prevent uh, a flare-up that's going to negatively impact their lives. Others will try Keo first when they Uh, when they encounter an issue, obviously not a a critical acute issue, right? We don't want to see you if you just fell off a ladder yesterday, but if you you are are having a flare-up. And then others will use Keo after having been, for example, to a few physical therapy appointments and then use Keo to continue that care at their convenience at home. Would you say most of your clients are, are these individuals joining off the streets uh, on their own volition, Uh, kind of what we call retail patients? Or are you working with employer groups? 
We are working uh, primarily with uh, employer groups and health insurance companies, again, with Keo being offered as a, a first dollar coverage, covered benefit for their members. And But the members are engaging completely voluntarily. So this is not being prescribed to them, but members are opting in. Uh, actually, interestingly, uh, this week, we go live with Walgreens Find Care as a digital uh, option. And so we will be available for the first time direct to consumer through Walgreens Fine Care. Talking about really the, the future of digital care or virtual care, I like, I like actual digital care. You know, I keep finding new phrases as I talk to great guests like yourself. And I was like, ooh, that, one, that one's nice. That sounds nice coming off the tongue. Um, I said a couple minutes ago that we see eye to eye that virtual care and digital health is never going to replace the hands-on physician approach. And you mentioned that your company uh, works very well within the, the existing care ecosystem. What are your thoughts on where this, I'm going to say like digital health came to the forefront during COVID. Where does it go from here? Does it pull back a little bit or does it continue going forward? I think it continues going forward. But, you know, a couple of trends that I see and, and places where technology and digital solutions can really make a big difference is, number one, the ability to deliver evidence-based care at scale, right? So increasing accessibility and enabling practitioners to work at the top of their licensure, seeing those patients that really do need to see them hands-on, one-on-one, because that absolutely exists, right? And in many locations, we do have access issues. Number two, for those members that are engaging digitally, really maximizing engagement by using AI and technology, not just to tailor the care program, but also to tailor the way we're engaging with somebody so that we're really bringing that level of consumer centricity into healthcare, i.e. meeting individuals in the way that they want to be met, helping them engage in the way they want to meet, and really tying into that uh, individual motivator, right? What motivates you to engage actively in your healthcare is going to be different, perhaps, than what motivates me. And then, thirdly, technology can really help repair that that fragmentation that I think has happened within the ecosystem now, where you have payers, you have people, you have providers, uh, both brick and mortar and digital, and and there's really been a, a disintermediation and a fragmentation there. And I think technology really can play a big role in helping bring that ecosystem back together. So you're talking more, it's more communication, care continuity, you know, physician offices talking to one another, sharing records. Uh, Is that what you mean? I do. And then just also, um, again, bringing that ecosystem together in the care of the person and including bringing the person into the care of the person um, Mm. by helping uh, (laughs) provide care. This person may do best physically in the office. This person may do best digitally. This person may do best with one-to-one clinical virtual care. Um, Different people are going to experience I think the continuum of that in different times in their life and in different issues that they have and enabling uh, all of this ecosystem to play nicely together, provide a cohesive member experience. I think that's at least the future that I'm hoping for. Love the fact that you said, you know, a patient experience, member experience. Um, that's one of the things we always talk about, you know, on the show. And, and then, you know, when working with clients on the Freedom Health Work side is that, you know, with this model of business, with this very personalized uh, approach to making sure that each and every patient feels like they are the only person in the world, right? 
you mentioned that you have a lot of sophisticated uh, AI, which I, w- I do want to talk about, but that personalized approach from whether it's your system or the ecosystem that you're working within is, is going to be very, very powerful. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of people respond to that. They're like, wow, um, they actually know my name. I'm not just some number on a roster this week or today, and they're not seeing me for you know, 40 patients a day. Um, I actually feel like I'm a real human being. Has that been a lot of the, uh, the user experience that you've witnessed? Yes. So what we are really trying to do is make the portion of healthcare that we impact, right? So those individuals that can benefit for a digital solution for their MSK issue as simple, easy, and effective as possible. So we take all of the complexity, right? So the, the, the clinical complexity, the technological complexity, and put that kind of behind a curtain. It's all there. That's what's supporting that robust experience for our members and the robust outcome we achieve, but to make it easy, simple, and quite frankly, fun for members to to engage with us. We could use a lot more fun in healthcare, I think. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we talk about a lot that no matter who it is, no matter what role you play in healthcare, you expect a bad experience right from the start. And it's like, you know what? This doesn't have to be that way. Doctors, employers, people using it, consumers, patients, Everybody thinks, well, I'm sick. I have to actually go see a doctor now. This is really going to suck. And then you want to flip that on its head. So give us a little bit of an idea about what that experience looks like from the user standpoint. When I say, you know, HR calls me up and says, hey, Chris, we have this great new company we're partnering with. Here you go. What does that look like? Kind of walk us through that patient experience. Absolutely. And you don't even need to wait for a call from HR. Keo will, will make you aware as well as HR making you aware. But then, yeah, you, uh, you register, you answer a short series of questions where we're determining, are you appropriate for us or should we refer you out to other appropriate provider-based uh, care? Uh, mm-hmm. And then getting baselines, really understanding the subset of pain within your joint, right? Not all knee pain is the same. And looking at uh, your baselines, baseline in pain, baseline in function, mental well-being, what motivates you. And when you're done answering the questions, if you're in the 80% that's appropriate for Keo, you immediately download a personalized care program onto your smart device. And then you're interacting solely using your smart device. We're guiding you through exercises specific to your subset of pain within that joint. And it's a progressive series of exercises. We are uh, delivering contextual content, so uh, educational materials in nice little bite-sized pieces to help you understand your pain, understand your issue, help you uh, incorporate behavior change into your life in a way that's going to sustain the improvements that you're making, messages, views into your progress, et cetera. And then you also have the ability to have one-on-one contact with our, with our support team if you want individual coaching or, or have questions. What does success look like to somebody who, like you said, 80% of the users, they're probably going to be, this is going to be appropriate for them. What does success look like? Right. So the way that we measure success is in really three main areas. So for the, for the member, it's, is your pain better? Is your function better? And for function, we use a personally relevant functional scale. So what we want to know is what's a daily activity that's been negatively impacted by your pain And we're going to measure your progress in this, something that's important to you. So your pain's better, your function's better, your mental well-being um, is stable or better. 
Number two, are you satisfied? Did you enjoy this? Are you happy with this program? So your, your clinical outcomes, your pain and your function, your mental well-being, your satisfaction. And then third, we look at claims data whenever we can. So we want to understand, is your utilization of particularly more aggressive treatments and diagnostics decreasing, right? Or uh, is it less compared to the basic book of business for a health plan or, or for an employer? So we've looked at all three of those areas. Yeah, and you kind of you kind of led me right where I was going there. You know, what's the impact? We hear about opioid crisis all over the country. We hear about you know unnecessary surgeries uh, that are happening. A lot of the times, it's joints. Um, we just talked to a surgeon in upstate New York who's saying, "Look, I I'm trying to provide great quality surgery as an independent surgeon, and I'm getting frozen out of insurance companies because my methods." allow somebody to get off of opioids or not even use them at all for major, major, you know, joint issues. And I'm thinking here, well, that doesn't make any sense. So I guess, you know, that's a multi-part question, right? What are you seeing as far as opioid rates, prescriptions for pain? And then are you cutting back on the amount of surgeries that your users are needing? Yes, to all of those. So we look at um, various medications, including opioids. The latest study that we did, this was a, a large study with uh, a health insurance client, 87% lower use of opioids in, in Keo participants. We have another study where it was 79% what lower opioid use. So, you know, that's actually not a lot of dollars on pills saved, but it's a huge societal impact and impact on yeah. quality of life. For the, for the individual. Um, we've also had significant decreases in the amount of benzodiazepines or muscle relaxants used, for example, for back pain. Um, similarly for uh, prescription NSAIDs and, and over-the-counter medications as well. I, I mean, those are huge numbers. Um, like you said, dollar-wise, you know, it's still pretty significant, but the impact you have on people's lives, whether it's addiction or whether it's nearing addiction, whatever that is, I mean, that's huge. Yes. Why, why isn't this screaming across headlines that, you know, the example I just used a couple of minutes ago about a new surgery technique to not need opiates and, and then, you know, programs like yours to help people treat their pain effectively. Why are we hearing about this? Well, well, we should be. And, and hopefully people are. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's scary because opioid use has actually gone up during, mm -hmm. during the pandemic, not down. We, we had been we have been doing a little bit better nationally and, and, and we've, we've actually regressed. So absolutely, whatever is going to uh, be a conservative care option and help people get past that pain so that they aren't dependent on opioids or other prescription medications, antidepressants, we reduce those as well, right? There's a huge connection between mm -hmm. depression and chronic pain, right? Um, and then when you look at those more overused and aggressive diagnostics and treatments, so MRIs, spinal injections, surgeries, et cetera, we have a very significant decrease on those, um, including a 90% decrease in use of urgent care for an MSK issue. And mm -hmm. I, I think practitioners would, would be in complete agreement with us that unless it's an acute injury, urgent care is not where you should be going for chronic pain. That's probably the most expensive, worst option because I mean, most people's experience with urgent care is you either get an antibiotic that might have complications with you uh, in any other type of medication, or they're like, hey, you just need to go to the ER. And it's like, no, <laughs> don't need well, to go to the ER. 
Absolutely. And, and for musculoskeletal issues, it all too often results in an opioid prescription and a referral on for an MRI or to a specialist, to surgery, et cetera, which is just not the first line of defense. And, you know, one of the main reasons that we can have that impact, and in four studies, we have had a 90% or greater decrease in, in urgent care use in our, in our participants, um, it's really that immediacy. So you can engage with Keo at 2 a.m. on a Saturday morning, be up and running with your care program five minutes later. That really has an impact on whether or not on the weekend you're going to hit urgent care for that issue. Well, yeah, that immediacy is absolutely fantastic. And anybody who's spent any time in sales or marketing understands that kind of a different situation, but it's it's relatable here. Bear with me that as soon as somebody contacts you, you have to follow up with them immediately or else, you know, each hour, each minute that goes by, really, you have less and less of a chance of even talking to that person and steering them into the actions that you want them to take rather than, like you said, just saying, hey, well, I can't get a hold of anybody. I'm going to the ER. I'm going to urgent care. I'm going hopefully nowhere worse than that, but you never know, especially when it comes to you know, certain pain medications. Lydia, I want to ask, you know, give us a little bit on how you got into this. What, uh, what was your career path that eventually led you to this point? Yeah, so I've had a, a rather non-traditional career path. And, you know, this Keo, uh, which I joined in, in 2013, was my, my first entry into, into healthcare. So coming in from, from a different perspective, which, which I think can actually bring uh, a different viewpoint and a, and a unique Way of, way of looking at things and, and innovating. My role is to surround myself with brilliant people so, uh, and, and then enable them to, to do their jobs. But uh, I, I began and wore multiple hats at Keo, and then most recently was product strategy, where we really conceptualized that shift into digital therapeutics. Prior to that, we were developing solutions uh, to be used in clinic for primarily physical and occupational therapists. So that shift into digital therapeutics, and then I uh, transitioned into the CEO role in, in March of 2020, which was the beginning of a big growth period for the company. I, I am a firm believer that there are many times where an industry needs to kind of get that kick in the butt and uh, get up and going and, and catch up with the rest of the world. But that only happens with people coming from the outside. All too often, people are trying to I guess, to borrow an old term, build a better mousetrap rather than asking the question, well, why do we have mice in the first place? Yes. And that takes a little bit of an outside influence, right? And, and um, there's a lot of very, very smart people in healthcare and you know, we know a ton of them, but they look at the hamster wheel as inevitable. They say, mm-hmm. well, you just have to run harder or faster. Or maybe if we move this around, it'll improve this and we can see more. Pay- wait, 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 hold on. Let's see if we can actually prevent people from becoming ill in the first place. And then we figure out if we need all this other stuff that comes later with the massive hospitalizations and the massive insurance buildings and all this kind of stuff, let's figure out why we have mice in the first place. And it sounds like that's kind of your approach and and how you landed into the uh, kind of the very broad healthcare industry. Absolutely. No, I think you, I think you hit it spot on. Let's, let's, let's look at the root, not just make assumptions about, you know, just making small tweaks to the to what's happening currently. And, you know, healthcare doesn't make it easy, right? There is, there's a huge lack of alignment in economic interests, which makes it so much harder to pull all the stakeholders together. I, I think really for, for Keo, what we've, what we've tried to do is really two things. One, listen to all those stakeholders, right? Talk to all of the people who are involved in 
um, either purchasing our product or using our product, right? So that what you, you are designing it to meet their needs and listening to what their problems and their experiences and what they want to accomplish are. Mm-hmm. And then two, when it comes to design, look at the clinical, right? Provide evidence-based care. There's the whole medical portion. And we have an extensive consulting team of, of medical subject matter experts, but also look at the consumer side, because if you can't get people to engage in a solution, it's worthless, right? And and so really looking at that consumer side, I think is um, what has been lacking in kind of mainstream healthcare for far too long. We, we are not delivering the level of convenience, meeting people where they are, personalization, immediacy, 24-7 accessibility, broad applicability that consumers get in most aspects of their lives and really should be demanding in healthcare and are beginning to demand in healthcare. Absolutely. I want to get into the challenges, you know, from consumer education on uh, for your business and then really get you kind of your crystal ball moment, see what uh, we'll go from here and what it what the perfect healthcare industry of the future looks like. Uh, Just as a reminder, here on Healthcare Americana, we're talking to Lydia Zeller, the CEO of Keo. So, Lydia, let's continue that vein of thinking and vein of conversation there. You mentioned patient education. Is that your number one challenge? that you see right now from your company and from really an industry begging for reform or really, I don't even think reform is the right word for an industry begging to join the rest of the modern economy. Yeah. I I think it's getting people involved in their care. And I think across really actively being participants in their healthcare. And, you know, that is not an easy nut to crack and, and you don't necessarily crack it by telling people what's good for them, right? We all basically know what's good for us, but is that going to motivate us to make change in our life? Well, mm-hmm. all too often not. So really trying to individualize by ta- tapping into that individual motivator, people can do that, right? If you sit down face to face with your physician, your physician can understand you and motivate you by talking about how doing this is going to help you dance at your granddaughter's wedding, for example, right? Whereas it's going to be a different motivator for somebody else. But technology increasingly can do that as well and do it at scale. Um, And I think that's really powerful. Think about one of our medical experts the other day was talking about, think about the, the impact. You know, we all know the impact of, you know, you're in a household where mom and dad are not engaged in their health care are, you know, maybe not eating ideally, not exercising, et cetera. Well, think about the the long-term societal impact if more and more children are growing up in homes where parents are actively engaged in their health care, mm-hmm. are using an app at home to help improve their health as well as, you know, being part of their medical community. That could have really significant long-term effects both on health and on the cost of health care. And when you say that, and, and I'm trying to think again, you know, kind of back to that question of, well, why do we have mice in the first place? When you have people who are not living the healthiest lifestyle, understand they need to make some changes and just can't or just won't. To me, that means, you know what, there's too many barriers to care here, to accessing the knowledge and the resources that we need. What, from my standpoint, that is, you know, a physician that you can text and, and say, hey, I'm worried about this or my foot hurts. I can't go outside today, or I just don't know how to do it. And it's too hard. 
and there's nobody to help you through that from the medical world. Um, you talked about democratizing, you know, healthcare and healthcare decisions and really giving that back to people. And it's very, very important. And I mentioned that because you look across every other industry and every other product line in the United States, and the whole goal of these companies and their marketing departments is to make it easier for people to buy it and for them to understand how to buy it, where to buy it, what they're buying yes. everywhere except the one that we're trying to fix, trying to change, trying to improve. How in the world is that even? <laughs> I, I, why do we make it so difficult to access the people that can help us out the most? Difficult to access, and, and, and you hit the nail on the head, difficult to understand what it is you're buying or how much it costs and mm-hmm. what the alternatives are. Absolutely. Yeah, it just it's something we talk about a lot. I'm like, why don't we make it easier to go see a doctor? Why do we have these copays and these confusing plans and everything like that that nobody understands? And then nobody wants to call them up because uh, you can't get into a see a doctor for you know a few weeks down the line. So that in, going back to what you said, that instantaneous response, that's huge. And I'm glad that you're seeing a lot of that improvement and a lot of the studies that you're doing showing that, hey, this is effective. This can be done, right? Absolutely. Any other challenges that you see, not necessarily from the industry standpoint, but with your business? Are there, are there people out there, entities, companies, um, systems that are saying, hey, we really don't want to encourage use of this or we're not really fans of what they're doing? We haven't encountered that issue because once you know, once the benefits are are understood, then making, you know, a, an effective, easy to use, accessible option available to folks is, is very, very well received. Um, we have good uh, engagement, including with provider systems, right? Because physicians want to do the best possible thing for their patients and want to have more tools in their toolkit, right? To, mm-hmm. uh, to enable people to manage at home, right? Um, I think the biggest challenge that we would face is that age old within the individual member, people begin feeling better pretty quickly with Keo. So kind of encourage, and, and then of course, human nature is to just stop and come back when you have a flare up, which is certainly possible and we get good results that way, but kind of, you know, we're always focusing on on increasing the number of people who are really truly incorporating it into their into their daily life, and and we do see great success in that. But that's one area that you know, as a company, we're always setting goals for ourselves and raising the bar on those goals. That's interesting. You mentioned that. So why do you think? Just dive a little bit deeper into that. Why do you think people will stop with your program or you know PT in general once they start feeling better? I mean, is that just hey, I'm fixed, and then Obviously, they're not. They should have continued going. It's how we all get busy, right? And so when you when you get to the point that you're feeling good until you've actually completely incorporated that behavior change, right? Which is which is where we focus. Human nature is is to let life crowd in, right? Um, and so that's how we really view ourselves as a behavior change company as well. And whether you incorporated in your life by continuing to use our app or whether you incorporate it into your life by making other changes and and incorporating movement into your lifestyle in different ways. And and our educational materials will talk to you about all of those possibilities. If Mm -hmm. you continue to stay better, that is success for us. 
So it's almost like you're forming new habits with people and it's like, you want to keep going. So they get over that hump and then it's like, oh, okay, not only do I feel better, but this is now a part of my daily routine. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Time for the big crystal ball uh, moment here. So where do you see us going? I mean, we're coming straight off of the worst pandemic in a hundred years. Medicine has been vaulted forward 20 years uh, in technology wise and usage wise. And I think that's a very, very good thing. We still have a ways to go to catch up with, uh, you know, the rest of the cutting edge industries here. Where does it go as, you know, kind of the, the, the macro environment? Where do we go as a health industry? And then I want you to follow that up by saying, this is how my perfect healthcare industry and a healthcare system would function. So I'm going to give you some time, uh, you know, to, to processize that one and uh, hit us with it. <laughs> okay. You know, I, I think when it comes to what would an ideal healthcare system look like, it is going to be that there's an alignment of economic interests, right? So that we don't have this fragmentation and competing interests that we currently have. Everybody wants better care at lower cost, but we do need to um, actually incent that. We don't want people making choices between healthcare and food and shelter, right? We want providers and payers and people all, all coming together. Digital, there's no going back at this point. Um, as you said, COVID was a watershed moment for digital health, um, and it's you know going to continue to snowball from here. Um, I think we need to look at it um, in a smart way and use technology for what technology is best at. It's never going to replace human beings and one-on-one -on -one contact and that relationship between a physician and a person but it absolutely can enhance that. And in some places, and for certain conditions, for certain times in a person's life, they can engage solely digitally. But using technology to bring that ecosystem back together again, what we're seeing is it's not just payers sort of pushing digital on people, which, which it was a few years back. There's now a consumer pull for digitals. And that's really the reason why I'm saying there really truly is no, no going back mm -hmm. at this point. Where would I like it to head? Uh, again, I would like in the ideal situation for that connectivity between people, providers, and payers to come back together so that the ecosystem is more holistic and, and people are treated more holistically across the spectrum of, of their conditions and across the spectrum of the entities in their healthcare with which they engage. I would like health to be considered broadly, right? So not just people defined by particular medical conditions, but social determinants being looked at, the entire ecosystem of that individual being considered part of their health, right? A world where a health insurance company may decide that paying for your food for a month is really a great investment in, in your health, right? So we're looking at people holistically. And then finally, that not only convenience and personalization comes into healthcare, but also joy and fun and the ability for people really to be supported and encouraged in participating actively in their healthcare. And I think if we achieve that, we are going to see fantastic outcomes, both in health and in reducing costs. Well, there we go. Lydia Zeller, CEO of Keo. This is Healthcare Americana. I am Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. 
Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all our episodes, visit the shop, and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro and managed by Melissa Turpin. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Interested in saving money on medical expenses? Coral is a healthcare marketplace and referral platform that helps direct primary care physicians, specialists, and medical plans find each other and work together at an affordable and transparent price. Save time and save money by utilizing the transparent direct contract model from Coral. To learn more, please visit coral.io. At Green Imaging, we provide diagnostic imaging procedures that include MRIs, CT scans, and x-rays for half of the average price in a health plan. Most people don't realize that the most expensive place to get an MRI is right down the hall from the prescribing doctor. This is because 70% of doctors are now employed or subsidized by our hospital systems. When we get an imaging exam at a hospital-owned imaging facility, the cost of care is three to seven times more expensive than it is at an independent imaging facility. There is a better choice that can save you up to 65% or more. That choice is green imaging. In most hospitals, there are 16 administrators for every single doctor. This creates an unnecessary burden on the price tag. By removing this excess, Green Imaging provides diagnostic services typically at one-third of the price or less. Check us out at greenimaging.net. The new administration has big plans for your health insurance, changes that can limit your choices. The Affordable Care Act created a one-size-fits-all plan. Healthcare is not a one-size-fits-all problem. The premise of the ACA is that coverage equals care. It does not. This is Eric Wilson from ISA Health Incorporated, and I recently saved a family in their 50s almost $600 per month with our free market plan. Act now. Protect yourself with a plan that cannot be canceled. This is a nationwide PPO plan, which allows you to pick your doctors and hospitals. Start saving 30 to 60% today. If you are self-employed, purchase your own health insurance, or are uninsured, you can lock in a private plan managed by you, not the government. Call me, Eric Wilson, an expert with 17 years experience at 888-448-5370. That's 888-448-5370. Or go to iSellHealth.com. That's iSellHealth.com. A free market, affordable approach to healthcare. I look forward to speaking with you. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out HealthcareAmericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.